This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Good morning, everybody. Go ahead and grab a seat. How are you today? Awesome. Are you ready for church? You better be. You're in church, right? Awesome. You know, as I was praying about our time together this morning, the, the thought that God gave me overwhelmingly was this. It has a lot to do with the song we just sang. This is, the, this is the sound of the redeemed. Here's the thought. God's about ready to change a bunch of people's lives. And every Sunday we get together, God changes people's lives. Now, I, I, I got to be honest with you. It, every Sunday you come, it's not like God's going to blow you away with great and marvelous and wonderful things I'm not sure any of us could handle that Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, but I can tell you this. As you come to church, it could be any Sunday where God gives you a major thing that changes the rest of your life. And if you hadn't been here on that Sunday, you would have missed it. So I'm so glad you're here today, and I know God's going to do that in many of our lives today, and I'm very excited about that because that's what church is all about. It's, it's not about coming and, and just sort of going through the motions. It's about connecting with the living God who has this deep and passionate love for you and for me. And we're going to press into that this morning. So before we do that, I want to say something particular to all of you who are here for the very first time. I know it's an adventure to step into a church you've never been in before because you have no idea what's actually kosher in that church, right? You don't know if it's okay to stand up and yell hallelujah or whether no one does that there. You don't know if there are appointed times when someone gives some invisible signal and everybody stands up and says a phrase and then they all sit down and everybody knows when to stand up and sit down and somehow you needed the playbook on the way in the door because you're out of formation all the time. Uh, I know it's an adventure to go to a church and you have no idea what you're going to encounter. I want to make a promise to you. We will never do anything at New Life that, that we don't instruct you to do ahead of time, so you're never going to be sort of caught unaware. And we're never going to do or say anything that you won't be able to understand. I'm going to teach about a very interesting subject this morning, and one that you've probably heard of, and it's one that often is reserved for only the super spiritual people, and that's really too bad, but I'm not going to speak about it in terms that you won't be able to fully understand, because I want you to be able to take the journey with everyone this morning. So if you're brand new, welcome. We're honored that you're our guest. Let me explain a couple of things that will be helpful to you. The first is uh, this card that you'll find in your program, and hopefully you got a program on the way in the door. Uh, If you didn't, you can just make your way back to one of the tables in the back and you can get one. But this card is a, it's one of the most important things that happens in our church every week, because this gives everyone who comes to our church the opportunity to connect directly with our pastoral staff. And we are here to serve you. We're here to help you get connected with God. We're here to pray for you. We're, we're here to do anything that we can do, as Pastor Kevin loves to say, short of sinning, to get you next to God. And so this is how you tell us how we can serve you, how we can help you. Um, 
On the front side, put your name and your email address. That way we can get a hold of you. Uh, if there's something that you're requesting, on the back, you can put prayer requests. You can put how you're going to respond to today's message. There are four different things that you can respond to out of the program, things that you would read in the program. If you want to sign up to help in any of those things or you want to enroll in any of those classes or, or whatever it is, you have a way that you can respond. And at the end of our, of our time together, we'll be passing uh, some baskets, and you can just put that in the basket at that time. The second thing that you're going to want to get out is this uh, sheet of teaching notes. If you're a note-taking kind of person, they will walk you through what I'm going to be teaching us about this morning. Uh, there's places in there you can fill in the blanks and margins that you can write other thoughts in. Uh, every Sunday at New Life is a learning experience, I can tell you that. So I hope you came prepared to learn because uh, we're going to learn about this subject of fasting. And I'm going to tell you right up front that um, I'm going to invite all of us to participate in a period of fasting. I don't want you to feel any pressure about that. It's not about peer pressure. I'll get into that in a few moments. Um, but I'm going to invite all of us into 40 days of, of fasting, and I'm going to explain to you why we do that and why I think it would be great for you to do that um, as a part of our teaching this morning. We are in a teaching series that Kevin launched last week. And by the way, if you didn't get to hear last week's message, you have to pull it up on the, on the podcast. Go to our website, pull it up, and listen to it. It's valuable information about where our church is and what God is calling us to do as a church and, and, and this great journey that we're on as a church. And the title of the teaching series is Greater Than. And it's based on a fundamental belief that no matter who you are, that God wants to do greater things in your life and through you. Many decades ago, when I was a teenager, not a good time to laugh, but I was one of those one time, there was a bold and brash quarterback of the New York Jets by the name of Joe Namath, and he predicted that the, that the Jets would win the Super Bowl against incredible odds, and they did. He was known for one other statement, which is sort of telling about who Joe Namath was. In an intervision, in an interview with a television um, uh, commentator, he said, I can't wait till tomorrow. And the interviewer said, why? And he said, because I get better looking every day. <laughs> okay, that's slightly arrogant. But you know something? If I could just twist that a little bit, wouldn't it be great if every Christian were to say, I can't wait till tomorrow. And someone were to say, why? And they would say, because I get deeper connected with God every day. And tomorrow, I'm going to know him better than I do today. And tomorrow, he's going to do greater things in my life than he was able to do today. Because tomorrow, uh, somehow, I'm going to learn to be more open and more fully connected with him. I just can't wait till tomorrow. I want that to be us. So that God can do greater things through us and greater things in us. 
Now, last week, Kevin laid out for us three wonderful questions based on the story of two blind men. And, 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 and the story illustrates three great principles of God. And the first question is this. Is God for me? And I want to say a resounding, yes, God is for you. And God is for me. Now, not in some selfish, indulgent way where I can go cut out a picture of a Ferrari and paste it on my refrigerator and say, God's going to give me that. Uh, I wouldn't mind driving one. But I would not reduce God to that. Because listen, friends, God will never, ever, ever be manipulated by any person. He's above and beyond that. But don't for a moment think that God is not for you. I know in some churches, and I know that sometimes in television and the media, that God is often portrayed as a taker, not a giver. I can tell you, no matter who you are, and no matter what you've done in your life, you will never ever give to God in any form more than he gives to you. He gave his one and only son for you. For starters. You're never going to outgive that. And so the Bible clearly says, if God did not spare his own son but gave him up freely for us. How will he, along with him, not also freely give us all good things? I don't have time to break out all the theology of that. I just want you to know that one of the messages you should hear every time you come to church is not God is angry with you, and not God is upset with you, but that God is for you. Friends, God could never be more for you than he is right now. I, I, I sat with a mother this past week who was struggling with this whole concept, and I asked her, I said, if your son or your daughter did something that was just awful and disgusting in their life, would you love them less? And she immediately and instinctively said, no. I say, you would be disappointed in what they did, but you wouldn't love them less. No. I said, yeah, in the same way, sometimes God gets disappointed with us in what we do, but it never diminishes the fact that he still loves us fully and completely and is 100% for us. The second question that Kevin posed for us is this. Does God still do miracles? I want to give you another resounding yes. He still does. Now listen, God's, I said a while ago, God will not be manipulated. You can't look at God as sort of a cosmic Coke machine that you can come up and you can throw in a few coins of going to church and saying a few prayers and participating in a 40-day fast and somehow miracles just pop out the bottom and you get to punch which button so you can get whichever miracle you want. And unfortunately, there are churches that portray God as a sort of cosmic miracle machine. No, that, that's not true. But don't for a moment ever believe 
that God doesn't still do miracles. You pick up the Bible and page after page after page, you're going to read that God intervened in the everyday lives of people and he did amazing things in their lives and he did amazing things through their lives. And I want to tell you that that God still lives and still intervenes and still interacts with his people and still does miracles. Do you believe that? Absolutely. I don't want you to miss out. On that. But the third question was actually more probing. And that is, what do I want from God? What do I really want from God? And I love the way that Kevin laid this out. If God showed up at your front door, and here's God standing on your front porch, and God says to me, Ron, what do you want from me? And he based it on my prayers from the previous day, and my prayers went something like this. Oh, God, would you bless this food, and would you keep me safe today? And that was it. And God would say to me, really? That's the whole deal right there, huh? Well, how do you want me to do a miracle in that? When you eat food, do you want it to blow up in your mouth or something? I don't know. How am I going to do a miracle when that's all you ask for? You know, the whole greater than thing, in some ways, has to pass through the filter of are you and I willing to ask God for greater things? And to lift our eyes from above this physical world where we live and begin to put our eyes and our minds and our hearts on greater things and therefore talk to God about greater things. This morning, I want to show you how fasting fits in to that and how that God would want us to take this this really cool thing that he's laid out kind of from the beginning of the Bible all the way to the end of the Bible this concept of fasting that oftentimes gets reserved for only people who are uh, considered holy or uh, above the average, and how that God, God makes that available to us. And in order to do that, I'm going to use my little friend here, okay? Because uh, you have to know how you're made. And God made us in this amazing fashion. So this little Russian doll is going to represent us And this is our body. This is the part of us that people most often identify with us. And when someone calls our name to them, the the image that flashes on the screen of their mind is what our face looks like, what our body looks like, and they see our body. And, And to be sure, we all have physical bodies, and it's a really important part of who we are. Uh, I would have to tell you up front, I think in our culture, we, we might put a little too much emphasis on getting our identity from our physical body. But nevertheless, it is important and God cares about it. Now, inside our physical body, we have something else called a soul. And we're going to let this little guy, this little gal, represent our soul. Because bodies don't think souls do. Bodies don't make decisions. Souls do. Bodies don't have emotions, but souls do. 
In, in our soul, there are actually three major components to our soul, and this is what makes us living. The body without the soul is dead. The Bible says that God breathed into Adam's nostrils the breath of life, and Adam became a living soul, not just a living body, a living soul. Okay? And it has three components. Our mind, or our intellect, our will, that's our decision maker, that's the thing that motivates us to take action, it's the action taker part of us, our will, and our emotions, that's the part where our feelings and our desires reside. So we have a body, we have a soul, but there's actually more to us than a body and a soul. If we dig a little deeper inside, we find this person. And this is our spirit. And the interesting thing about our spirit is, this is the part of us that is able to connect directly to God. It's the part of us that gets the least amount of press time in our world But it's actually the most important part of us because this is the only part of us that will actually live forever. Our bodies will not live forever. They all die. Even our soul, okay? At some point, you will cease to think. At some point, you will cease to make decisions in this world. When the soul leaves the body, it's done. It's the spirit in us that lives forever. This is where we experience eternal life. This is the part of us that connects directly with God. This is the only part of us, the Bible says, God said at the very beginning, He said, we're going to make mankind human beings in our image. Our body is not made in the image of God. Even our soul is not made in the image of God. It's our spirit that's made in the image of God. Now, the Bible's clear about all this. Take a look. I'm going to read you a couple of passages of Scripture. Paul writes and says, May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. Wow. That's the absolute best way that you can live in this world, is to have your spirit, your soul, and your body aligned with how God made life. Because then all three of them are functioning healthily and are at peace. That's how God made us to live. And this little guy or little gal, notice what Paul writes and says in the book of Romans. Paul says, God's spirit joins with our spirit, affirming that we are God's children. Now, oftentimes people will come to me and say, Pastor, it seems like you have this wonderful walk with Jesus and you feel so close and connected with Him. And yet when I pray, it seems like God is a long ways away. I don't want you not to tell me that. But when you tell me that, I know what's happened. You have neglected this guy or this gal. And that's why you feel disconnected with God. You know how I know that? I have felt that too. And when I neglect my spirit, I feel disconnected from God. 
Because when I get next to God, God's Spirit joins with my spirit, and listen to this, teaches me the most important and life-giving things in this world. But I have to teach you one other thing. And that is, your body screams at you. Okay? If you want to test that out, don't eat lunch today and don't eat dinner tonight and listen to what your body says. Okay? Your body will begin to scream at you. Okay? Because it will not go without its needs met. Now, unfortunately, not all the messages that your body gives to you are actually good for you. Sometimes your body will scream at you sexual desires that are actually destructive for you, but they will scream nonetheless. Sometimes your body will scream for all sorts of things that actually would not be good for you. But your body will scream at you, okay? Your soul doesn't scream. Your soul talks. And your soul will begin to reason with you about things that your body is saying to you that you shouldn't do. You've been there, right? You know what that, you know, you know what that, that voice sounds like. But your body will scream and your soul will talk. And, and it's, it's in your soul, your will, that you get to decide which one of those you're going to listen to. Okay? But here's the most important thing I could say to you about this. Your spirit will never scream and your spirit doesn't actually talk to you, your spirit will whisper to you. And that's why the most important lessons you will ever learn, you will often learn when you are alone and you're listening. Because anybody can hear a scream at any time. And you can often hear a talking voice in the midst of melee. But you have to be quiet to hear the whisper of God's Spirit to yours. Now, how does all that work when it comes to fasting? Well, here's the first principle we're going to learn. What we do with these two. What we do with our body and our soul directly affects the connection of our spirit to God. If you do a sin that's a deliberate sin and you know it's wrong, anybody ever done that? Put your hand in the air if you've ever done something you knew was wrong and you knew it ahead of time. Sure. We have a bunch of honest people and a few that are afraid to be, all right? But the truth is we've all done that. I can tell you exactly what happens when you do something that you know is wrong and and you choose to do it anyway, what happens to the connection between your spirit and God's? Do you move closer to God or further away? Further away, you've all experienced that. Because what you do with your body and your soul directly affects what you do with your spirit. Now, I want to flip that coin over, and I want you to realize that also, in a positive way, what you do with these two can affect how this is connected. For instance, this morning, when you woke up, and you were laying in bed, your soul probably said to you, it's Sunday and you know where you should be. And your body probably said to you, they're not going to fire you if you don't show up. 
And besides, you went last week. You've met your quota for this month. (laughs) Does your body ever give you those messages? It feels very nice right here. You know, going to church means you have to get out of bed. Yeah, okay. But you know what you did? Because you're here, I know you listen to this guy or gal to some degree, and you said, I am going to make an investment in my spirit. And it's why so many of you, week after week, when I greet you on the way out the door, you say to me, I don't know what there is about this place, but I always feel better for having been here. You know why? Because you made an investment in the most important part of who you are. You made an investment in the only eternal piece of who you are. No wonder you feel better. You should. Because that's how God made life to work. Put your hand in the air if you have ever played Pac-Man or Ms. Pac-Man. Good! How fun is that? Now you know this, you know what's behind that game. You got the little Pac, Pac-Man or Ms. Pac-Man who goes along. And the deal is, what are you trying to, what are you, those little round pellets, right? Energy pellets or power pellets. And when you gobble those up, they give you abilities to do things that if you don't gobble them, you don't have. And in a way, it's like life. There are people who go through life and they take power pellets that invest in this and it allows them to go through and conquer life. And there are people who never take the power pellets and who rarely invest in their spirit and life eats them up, right? Yeah. I want to tell you that fasting is one of the ways that you power up in this life. Let's see it in the life of Jesus. Take a look at what the Bible says. It says that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now, right away, I want you to see something. This was a cosmic battle. This is the day after Jesus, or maybe even the day of, Jesus' baptism. And I'm so grateful that the moment we get baptized, the Holy Spirit doesn't lead us into the desert to get tempted by Satan. We usually get tempted by Satan, but here's what's happening. Jesus is the Savior of the world, and He goes to face Satan in some one-on-one, hand-to-hand combat, and the whole salvation of the world rests in the outcome of that battle. And Jesus did not dare go into that battle and not be powered up. So the first thing that Jesus did is He fasted for 40 days. Right? He said, I'm not going to pay attention to what this says to me. I'm going to focus on this. And so at the end of 40 days, he was powered up. And then one of the greatest understatements in the Bible is that next thing. It says, he was hungry. There you go. I would imagine 40 days without food would make you hungry as well. But Jesus was powered up. Now his followers learned to do the same thing. And so the Bible says in Acts chapter 13, uh, under the leadership of Paul, who had been personally trained by Jesus, here's what the Bible says, as they were worshiping and 
fasting. See, fasting is not something that just a handful of people do or weirdos do or people in the dark ages did. Fasting is something that the people of God do on a somewhat normal basis. As they were worshiping and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, now dedicate Paul and Barnabas for a special job I have for them. So how did they respond? So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. Here's what I want you to know about fasting. Fasting is this. Fasting is voluntarily foregoing something we enjoy to mark a time set aside for a spiritual purpose. Jesus set aside those 40 days of fasting and prayer to mark a spiritual purpose in his life because he was about ready to do combat with the arch enemy of God. The people that we read about in the book of Acts, they were actually seeking God for what was next for their church. Isn't that amazing? And so they decided to worship God through fasting and prayer. And it was in the middle of their fasting and prayer that God laid out plans for their church, which, by the way, I don't have time to give you the whole history of it, but I can tell you this. It was primarily what God did through that time of fasting and prayer that you and I read about in Acts chapter 13 that took the gospel to all of Europe and most of us can trace our ancestry to people who lived in Europe. You would not be a Christian today, more than likely, if those people had not fasted and prayed. How cool is that? Yeah. They were just praying God, what's next for our church? Can I tell you, as a church, as we press into God, my prayer is that there will be people in India and people in Africa and people in Mexico who will never meet us on this earth. But because we fasted and we prayed and we heard God's direction, they will become Christians and they will never know it started during a 40-day fast prior to Easter in 2015. Are you up for that? I'm up for that. That's what God wants to do through us because we're going to invest in our spirits and we're going to take the time to hear what God says to us in our spirit. And we're not just going to be running around listening to the screams of our body or the conversation of our soul, but to actually hear from God. Very, very powerful principle. First thing you need to know, fasting is voluntary. Okay? Fasting is voluntary. It's not something somebody can lay on you. I want to speak directly to those of you who grew up in a liturgical church and, and there was a period called Lent. And when I was a kid, I always wondered what they were doing in the back of the dryer. But anyway, I don't know how that works, all right? But uh, during Lent, where everyone was sort of forced to go on a 40-day fast, please don't hear me say that. By the way, there do happen to be 40 days between now and Easter, okay? Um, Basically, you can start on Tuesday and end on Saturday. You can work that all out. But it's about 40 days between now and Easter. But please don't confuse this with traditional Lent. Okay, I'm not, It has to be voluntary. 
No one can put it on you. If I, if I forced you to forego something and you did it because everybody else was doing it and you didn't want to be the odd person out, it wouldn't do anything for you anyhow. You would, it would not do anything for this person. Nothing. It would simply be a religious exercise that you went through. There is no value in a religious exercise that doesn't touch this. Okay? Next, it is foregoing something that we enjoy. I have a confession to make. I will not be giving up peas during this period of fast. I voluntarily have given them up for a lifetime because I hate peas, okay? That's just how we roll, all right? If you like them, more peas to you. Okay? So, here's what I'm giving up. I happen to be a guy who loves golf, and I love to watch golf, and I'm giving up watching golf on TV. Not just that, but you have to know that between now and Easter is the Masters Golf Tournament. It's my favorite golf tournament of the year. And I know some of you are going to say, you can TiVo it and watch after it's over. My flesh has already told me that. <laughs> but I'm not going to do that. I also like to watch American Idol. I, you know, former pastor, and I was a worship pastor for 10 years, so I love all different forms of music. Uh, I am actually going to fast from all TV for 40 days. Um, now, yeah, that, that's all right. Um, you know what? It's voluntarily foregoing something that we enjoy. Here's what I want to tell you. In the Bible, the most common fast was food. And I think there's a reason why. The Bible doesn't say, but I think the real reason why is because God knows food is something we participate in every day and we all like. Yeah. So if you want to hit at the heart of what this screams about you go find something that you really enjoy and then voluntarily give it up. To mark a time set aside for a spiritual purpose, that's the big, big deal. There has to be a spiritual purpose behind all of this. So let's take a look at what our 40-day fast at New Life is going to be and what we're inviting you into. Number one, we're going to fast from something. Okay? In just a couple of minutes, I'm going to give you the opportunity to write down what you're going to fast from. And you know something? I'm not going to talk during that time because I don't want you to hear my voice with your soul. I want you to hear God's voice in your spirit. And if you listen and you say, God, would you talk to me about what it is that you would like for me to fast from? You will get a message in your spirit. Now, whether you have the courage to follow through with that, that's a whole different deal, all right? But I at least want you to get the message, okay? So we're going to fast from something, and then we're going to fast for two somethings. And I know right away that somethings is not really a word, but you got the idea, right? And, and the first something is something for us. Friends, that could be anything. It could be some habit that you have in your life that you have always felt powerless to actually break that habit. Guess what? God still does miracles. 
And if you will fast in your life and press into God, and every time you have a desire for whatever that thing is that you're giving up, if you will, in that moment of time, press into God about that one thing, it could be a habit, it could be an addiction, it could be anything, then, then yes, God will meet you in that moment and God will begin to infuse you in your spirit and eventually your soul and eventually your body, but he will come in through your spirit and he will infuse you with supernatural power and that is a miracle because it's God's power in you. For some of us, it's not a habit that we want to break or an addiction or anything like that. For some of us, we know what the next step in our spiritual journey is and it's a step up in ministry responsibility. And it's, it might even be a step into leadership. Or it, who knows? But there's some next step. And we haven't had the courage to take it yet. Because we're still stuck in that place of feeling like that's going to require something from us that we don't want to give. But if we fast about it, you know what will happen? the power of God will come into our lives and it will change. And our focus will not be on what it will require of us, but we will start to have a holy enthusiasm and excitement about what God is about ready to do through us. And we will feel the power of God changing this person and eventually getting to the rest of us. So we're going to fast for something for us and for something for our church. Kevin laid out a whole bunch of things. you got to pull up the podcast and listen to it. He talked about uh, adding to our staff. He talked about that God would work in our church so that, that at least in this coming year, 200 more people would come and be part of our fellowship and be drawn into this connection with God and begin to taste God's power in their lives and, and, and they could have uh, the salvation that only Jesus offers. And right now, they're just out wandering the streets of Petaluma trying to, thinking that the next thing they buy is going to be it for them and finally make their life fun. And they don't know that what they're longing for is Jesus. Kevin talked about our parking lot and that God would enable us to have a parking lot. I've got some news to tell you about that in a few minutes. Kevin talked about building out some classrooms upstairs, which is a huge thing because there are many things that you need to know and you need to learn as you walk along this journey with Christ. But they don't fit well into a Sunday morning teach them, preach them sort of setting up here. We are currently working on a vast array of classes that will be so good for our church and so good for each of you individually. But we don't have classrooms where we can do that. But we want to offer those classes at the same time we're having church so that you can come to church and stay for class or come to class and stay for church. And you can get some real, solid, aimed, focused teaching and training in areas that make a huge difference in your life and then come here and worship and get the general teaching that the whole church gets. But we have to have classrooms to do that. All sorts of things. I won't break them all out for you, but they, they're, they're marvelous and they're good. 
as you pray, if God puts your focus on one of those, make that what you fast for over the next 40 days. Because God will direct each of us to fast and pray about different things. But then the third part is probably the most important part of our fast. And that is, we are going to expect God to do greater things. I want you to look up here for just a minute when you get done writing. There's a way that God does not want us to go through life, and it's not like this. Golly, I'm going to pray, and I just hope if I keep my fingers crossed, God will hear me and maybe do something. Okay? Can I suggest that internally you change your body language from this to this? Okay? Because God is for you. And God is waiting for you to engage with him. And when you do, he's going to do greater things in you and then greater things through you. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.